Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to a early morning podcast. I'm starting a lot earlier than what I have this past week, but welcome back. Glad to have you guys here. And um, yeah, so let's start off Friday just right. Um, first off, shout out to channel members. Again, I'm going to give you guys shout outs all the time. I appreciate I appreciate you guys for being channel members. So really, really, really appreciate that. Uh, you guys are awesome. Also, you know, in fact, that a second channel, uh, just being a small channel or whatever, if you want to help out with uh, production and things for the second channel, there you guys go. Link right there to the PayPal that will go towards um, building out the second channel and doing more with that. Um, anyways, yeah, so good morning, Tech for Your Needs. Good morning, sir. How you doing today? Um, we are going to be talking about visible okay i'm going to give you an entire rundown the good the bad the ugly of visible things that i think that people really got to take in consideration when um looking at visible and approaching visible in that way um so we'll be talking about that we're going to be talking about youtube shorts uh, a little bit more in depth about it and we are also going to discuss um speed testing why are why are speed tests popping up out of the woodwork over the last year? What What's the whole purpose of it? Um, yeah. So um, on a side note on social media, some of you guys who follow me on social media may have noticed, you know, like I geeked out and showed like the comic books and stuff like that from a comic book store that I uh, visited when I had my time in Vegas. Uh, the other thing I didn't show you guys was this really awesome spawn t-shirt that they printed. It's, it's their shirt. Um, they printed up these shirts and they have them for sale there. And uh, I had to pick up one for spawn. I thought the shirt was pretty badass. So a uh, big shout out to them. Um, so without further ado, let's just kind of dive right in into visible. Um, I got nerd vision ready. So <laughs> we will go ahead and, uh, and just kind of have that pop up here. Um, but visible wireless, I mean, uh, I'll give the rundown of what it is uh, for those people who still probably don't even know about it. Um, hey, how's it going on, man? How's it going, Red Rum? Awesome to have you here. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, working with two laptops has made it a lot easier. I really like this setup. Um, anyways, Nerd Vision is up right now. There you guys have it. There's Visible's website right there for you guys. Now, let me just kind of just give the rundown of what Visible is, okay? I know most of you guys know it. Most of the people who follow my channel, who watch my videos, they know what Visible is. But, you know, just in case somebody else who's never seen my show comes on here and decides to, you know, give me a chance and watch, um, let me explain what Visible is. Visible is an MVNO product of Verizon. Notice how I said product of, and that is because Verizon does own Visible. So Visible is owned by Verizon. And a lot of people were a lot confused in the fact of like, why does Verizon have this thing called visible? And then they also have Verizon prepaid, you know, they're almost starting to kind of sound like Sprint where Sprint had Sprint prepaid Virgin mobile and boost mobile. And, you know, to be quite honest, one of the things that was said in the SMT community when discussing visible was that more than likely visible was like a beta test to kind of see how Verizon really would handle things uh, without having access to 3G, because that is one of the things that you have to consider if you're going to sign up with visible wireless. And that is that there is no backdrop in case LTE is non-existent in the area that you're at. It solely depends on LTE and they just opened up for 5G not long ago, but there is no backdrop to 3G. So if you're in a place that has no 5G connection, no LTE connection, you have no connection. Um, 
And so a lot of people felt like that that was Verizon's way of beta testing this was by having an MVNO that strictly depended on LTE. And so therefore, we have Visible. Now, one of the most quintessential things about Visible is the fact that there is no stores. Now, this later on, I'm going to discuss about, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll get into that. But um, for Visible saying that they don't have physical stores and um, in-store employees means that they can save and and put money towards the um, um, the network, towards, um, you know, these different things that they offer uh, because they're not spending on a monthly rent. They're not spending on the monthly electricity. They're not spending on a uh, biweekly payroll. So a lot of that that would go towards that, that would elevate pricing for visible service, um, allows them to maintain a low pricing as basic pricing with visible without any of their features to reduce the price. Just the basic pricing for visible is $40 a month. So $40 flat rate, unlimited talk, text, and data. And data unlimited, okay? Data, data not, you know, throttled over once you pass 30 gigs or 25 gigs. It's not deprioritized when you pass, you know, 30 or you know, 25 or 30 gigs. It's just unlimited. Um, it used to be data capped, but it, it no longer is currently at this point being data capped. Um, it is for 5G. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so yeah, visible is a clear cut, you know, no bullshit, no hidden stuff type mobile service, you know, that, um, if you wanted to save on a phone bill and want access to Verizon's network, which Verizon's network seems to be good in just most places, uh, this would probably be a popular option. Just $40 flat rate. Now you can reduce what you're paying per month for that line of visible by opting into any one of their, their savings plans that they have. Um, and I don't mean like plans, like, you know, there's different types of plans. Good morning, Gene. What up? Good, sir. Glad to have you here this morning. Um, what I mean by that is, is that they have two ways to save. Okay. The first way is by, you know, joining what they call party pay and uh, party pay, just a real synopsis, a quick synopsis of it is literally just, you know, visible customers grouping together in a group to get initial savings. Now you, you, you can only get the savings off having an additional three people along with you in the group. So uh, that reduces your bill by $5. So you can cut $15 off your bill, making your bill $25 a month. Um, but there is no limitations of how many people can be in the group. So to make sure that your $25 pricing is going to stay $25 without any type of side blind or whatever, you could have like, you know, 50 people on a party pay group and uh, everyone's bill will be $25 a month. And if one person decides to port out and go to a different provider, uh, you don't have to worry about it uh, going up from 25 to 30 bucks. You know, you still be at 25 because there's a good amount of people on there. As long as there's four people, at least in the party pay group, you will have the discounted price of $25. So as you can see, for each person you add up to four people, it's $5 off. That is one way you can save and drop your plan from $40 to $25. Another thing is, is that if you use their new referral program, um, initially what happens with that is, is that by using your, your referral program, you can cut your bill down to just five bucks a month. So you can refer up to 12 people which will basically give you one year of service at $5 a month. That's pretty cool. And the thing about that is, is that even if you max out and, and hit like 12 referrals and then, um, you know, you're at your limitations, 12 referrals, that's it. And then the next month comes, your bill's at $5 and you look 
and it shows you that you have 11, 11 uh, more months of this the $5 billing. Uh, if someone uses re your referral code, it goes back up to 12. So if you like gone five months without a referral and then all of a sudden you get five referrals, then it'll go from seven to 12. So you can always replenish that. So that coupled with party pay, you know, great savings. And this is why Visible does not open up physical stores because they're able to offer these types of things, uh, being that they do have the capital to do it. So, hey, good on them. Um, Visible does have a select amount of devices that you can use. Um, so we'll shop all phones here real quick, just so people can get a kind of an idea of what kind of phones that they carry. Um, but as you can see, yeah, we've got phones and they got some of the more popular phones. You know what I mean? They got the Galaxy S21 5G, the S21 Plus. Um, they have the iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 Pro and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. I wonder why they don't have the S21 Ultra. That's crazy, but they have all, all variations of the iPhone 12 series. Uh, Pixel 5, if you're a Google fanatic, you can get the Pixel 5. The Motorola Edge is also in the playbook there. Uh, we got the OnePlus 8, the Pixel 4a 5G. We got the Galaxy S20 Fan Edition 5G. Uh, we got, you know, some of the more budget, budget ones. Uh, Visible Blade X1 5G. We have the uh, iPhone SE 20... Um, Sorry, 2020, uh, 2020 edition. Uh, we have the Pixel 4a. And then you have the, the Samsung Galaxy A51, the A21. We have the, the Moto G Power 2021 edition. Um, the Galaxy A11, the Moto E. We have the visible uh, ZTE Blade A7 Prime. Uh, more on the cheaper side, we have the Blade uh, A3 by ZTE. They also still have um, iPhone 11s, even an iPhone 10s, but these are pre-owned ones. And uh, you see the iPhone 10R pre-owned, iPhone 10 pre-owned, and iPhone 8 pre-owned. So you can get older, older versions of um, iPhones on Visible. Uh, good morning, Coffee. Glad to have you here too, as well. All right. So, so these are the these are the phones that Visible sells. Um, you know, just to kind of uh, let you guys know. Um, they also have what's called a swap program. Okay. Well, you may wonder what is swap. What it says right here, got an old phone, get a new one for free. Uh, swap your old device for a brand new one. When you transfer your phone number to visible, unlimited data messages and minutes all on Verizon's 4G LTE and 5G networks. So it says swap my phone. It says swapping is simple. You check your phone to see if it will work on visible. If it won't, you can trade it for one that will. Choose a new phone. We'll ship you your new phone and SIM card, plus a box to send us your current phone. Transfer your number when you sign up for Visible and transfer your current phone number when you set up and activate your new phone. Send us your old phone. Once you're up and running, send us your old phone within 14 days and you'll you'll be charged or you'll be charged for the new phone. Um, so it's very simple as that. Just basically you give them your old phone. Now, for what I remember from this, there were specific ones that were considered swap. Okay. So it's not like you can go and be like, okay, I got a very old, you know, Samsung Galaxy S6 and I want the iPhone 12 mini. So here you go. Give me an iPhone 12 mini. I'll give you my Samsung Galaxy 6 and, you know, it's free. No, there are specific phones <clears throat> that um, that Visible has. And those would be the ones that would be... Um, you know, uh, swap capable. So we'll go back to the phones here because I want to see which one it is. I know it's one of the ZTE ones. Um, they did have the Hot Pepper Ghost. That was a funny name for a phone, but now it's no longer on their site. 
Um, let's see. Let's find it. It's got to be one of the cheap ones here. There we go. It is the Blade A3 Prime. So that one right there to the left of the iPhone 11, if you see underneath it, it says free with swap. So there are specific phones that are basically for swap. Uh, good morning, John. How you doing today? Good, sir. Um, so anyways, that's visible in a nutshell. So yeah, let's get in to the good, the bad, and obviously the ugly. Um, because that is something that, you know, people do need to know about this. And these are just some things that I thought about in my head when I was thinking about visible and like all the stuff that it does. So, um, the good, let's start off with the good with visible. What is the good with visible? And, uh, the first thing that's going to come up that a lot of people are going to make mention of is that visible runs on Verizon's network. And since Verizon has always had the reputation of being dependable, uh, makes people look at visible and say, Hey, this is on the Verizon network. So I should be good. I should be covered. And uh, while that is, you know, mostly the case when it comes to visible, okay, a lot of the, a lot of the tech nerds such as myself, um, hey, baby Yoda, what's up? The force is strong with you, sir. Um, a lot of the nerds will tell you, you know, of course, that they, they know about, you know, priority level when it comes to uh, mobile carriers. So um, they pretty much know, like, you know, if you were to compare a visible line to a Verizon postpaid line, of course, priority is going to go to the Verizon postpaid. Um so that's something that you have to take in consideration. So not necessarily like with someone on Verizon postpaid, what they get if they were to speed test doesn't mean you're going to get exactly the same. At times you could, but it doesn't mean that you will always have that type of, of coverage. And that's something that I think that, uh, you know, a lot of consumers out there that are looking at visible as an option need to kind of understand that. Um, John says visible will be great. Will be a great deal once 5G rolls out. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, they, they got to make 5G better here in Phoenix, at least for me. Like when I use visible on my Pixel 5, I do access the 5G network on visible, but uh, it, it's literally just the same as like what the speed test was for my Pixel 4 that I just uploaded on the channel. Um, I'm going to be sharing a lot more speed tests of what I get. And so, like right now, my visible line is going to stay in my Pixel 4 because it seems to be more beneficial to be on there. Getting those types of speeds that was in that that speed test upload I just did um, surpass what I get when it's connected to 5G. And in the same area, I would get less. But that's just because, you know, Visible has DSS. And DSS is not that good. So <laughs> let's just be real on things. Um, is a Jose in the building. What up, Jose? Good morning to you, good sir, and welcome here. Um, let's see. I'll need to upgrade my LG G8 soon. Any recommendations other than the Pixel line? I am on AT&T prepaid. Um, well, first of all, I'll tell you this much. You have an LG G8, so no matter whatever happens, hold on to that thing because that thing is going to be uh, a relic. And, and for the fact that LG's mobile division has basically is shutting down, so they're not making any phones anymore. So you know, to have an LG G8, you know, that's like, for nostalgic reasons, put it in like one of those glass frame boxes you can hang on the wall. And when someone comes to your house, they'll be like, yo, what is that on the wall? Just be like, oh yeah, that's LG. Then what's an LG? They used to make phones, you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, recommendations um, as far as like, you know, non-pixel. And um, to be honest with you, if, it, you know, from my point of view, if I had to go with something that was non-pixel um, on Android side, I would probably opt for a oneplus device um not so much the new oneplus nines i'm kind of sad about the direction that oneplus went with that and obviously you know they can't call themselves the flagship killer um but 
I would go OnePlus um, because it, it it does bring you like a near near um, stock Android experience, but it does have their own little quirk features to it. Um, and they, you know, they get timely updates, um, just about on par with what pixels get, you know? So, um, I would say one plus, but, um, yeah, that's my, that's my opinion. Uh, LG is joining HCC writing off into the sunset. Yeah, definitely. Definitely on that. Um, but anyways, visible, you know, then that, that's one of the good things is that it runs on Verizon's network. Um, another thing is, is that, of course, the thing that people love to hear is that taxes and fees are included. So no hidden fees, no hidden charges, none of that shit. So people are just like, hey, I can I can rock that. Knowing that your bill is 40 bucks every month or 25 every month or five dollars every month. You know, that literally just uh, it's a peace of mind. You know, in today's hectic world where we have all these bills and prices of things are going up, gas prices and things are going up. It's always good to know that you don't have to try and guesstimate what your phone bill is going to be. Like, can you imagine, you know, um, 12 years ago <laughs> with cell phone, cell phone companies, uh, we literally had to try and guess what our bill was. And sometimes we were off by, you know, some change. Sometimes we were off by some dollar and change. Uh, Cause sometimes our bill would be, you know, let's say like normally it's around $38, but then there's months where it's like 38, 29, there's months is 38, 72, there's months where it's 39, 15, there's months where it's 37, 63. So it's always fluctuating, you know, with having these, uh, these set rate uh, plans where it's $40 taxes and fees included. So, you know, it's 40 bucks when someone's like, Hey, what's your bill going to be next month? 40 bucks. What's it going to be in six months from now? 40 bucks. <laughs> Cause you know that that's what it is. Uh, although taxes and fees uh, thing is slightly going out the window, but that's for another podcast uh, discussion to talk about. We'll talk about that probably next week, but um, yeah. So um, flat rate cost for the plan is actually pretty good. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the good things uh, about Visible, in my opinion. Uh, when you're in a city that has Verizon coverage, obviously, you know, it, it's going to work. And um, the final thing about it is, is unlimited mobile hotspot. Now, it is capped at five megabits per second. Um, when I've done hotspots, sometimes I've pulled like seven, eight, even 10 megabits per second on a down and about, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine on the up. Which is okay, you know, from connecting my, my Pixel book to my phone real quick just to get online and do a search. That's totally cool. Um, emailing, forwarding stuff, uploading, you know, pictures and things like that. It works. It really works in, in today the way that um, that network connectivity has gotten a lot better than what it was 15 years ago. And um, so you can do more with the hotspot. And the cool thing about it is that it's not like, you know, 20 gigs of hotspot and then 128 kilobit per second speeds. It is just completely unlimited hotspot. You can really use the hell out of it. There's people who go on Reddit, who go on Discord and literally claim they've used 100 gigabytes of LTE data from the mobile hotspot on Visible. Totally cool. And there are certain devices that um, don't limit you to just one device at a time. Normally, the Visible phones, if you buy a phone from Visible and you turn on the hotspot and you try to connect to it, um, that is where it'll be like you can only connect one device at a time. But I've had like three, four, or five devices connected to my unlocked devices that's running on Visible and be able to actually like use two things on the hotspot from the Visible line. I know this because when I travel with my kids, um, where there's where their service you know has no service at, uh, then I'll just turn on the hotspot on my Visible phone, and all three of their phones will connect and. They'll continue watching their kids' YouTube or whatever they're watching on the road trip. So, uh, you know, it comes in handy. Um, 
not a lot to really say in that fashion of like good. I mean, you could kind of like emphasize the fact that there's no actual physical stores, which means that we, the consumers benefit from all the deals and plans that they can come out with because uh, they, that they have their, their profit margins high. They have money to spend uh, since they're not renting places or whatnot. Um, so um, have you had a chance to use the LG velvet? I've played around with someone that I know that, 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 you know, has one. I played around with theirs and the LG velvet seems, uh, I mean, it doesn't seem too, too odd different from my pixel five as far as, um, I don't, well, my pixel five, of course, Android is very optimized on it. So it's going to be held at a high regard just for how, um, stock Android runs on it. Uh, but the LG velvet is actually pretty nice though. Um, just depending, I mean, you know, uh, there, there's been some quirks between people discussing, the uh, differences between the unlock model and the AT&T model, but um, the velvet is actually nice. In my opinion, um, I would kind of put that underneath one plus. So if you don't want to be spending like, like a high amount and you can find an LG velvet for much cheaper than any, you know, newer one plus device, um, then I would go velvet. Like, and, and it's LG. So it will be another one to add to your wall of nostalgic phones that used to matter. <laughs> so um, yeah. LG Velvet is nice. Uh, it, it's a thumbs up by me. Um, but yeah, those are some of the good things about Visible. Now, what are the bad things about Visible? Well, the major bad thing about Visible is the fact that it has it has no secondary backdrop. And what I mean by that is, is that because like 5G is not completely rolled out, so we can't say that 5G is super dependable at this point right now. It is only available in specific markets as these carriers develop their network and grow it out. Um, so really, it's just on LTE. But when there is no LTE, there is no fallback. So there's no backdrop for it, basically. There's no uh, 3G to pick up to, to, to pick up the, you know, the ball and run with it to keep you connected to a network. It's, it's all or nothing when it comes to the LTE connectivity. Either you got it or you don't. And that's where it kind of suffers. Because there's places like, you know, I go road tripping around. I've gone to California. I've gone to, you know, drove out to Oklahoma to see my dad and, and um, you know, drove, driven to, you know, through New Mexico and everything like that. And sometimes I like to avoid the major interstates because there's like so much traffic going that way that I would take back highways that like run you into the middle of nowhere. And there's, you know, times where like, because I have AT&T, I have Metro by T-Mobile and I have... um uh, visible and visible when it goes to a spot that has no LTE for Verizon, it just drops. Whereas I look at my other phones and it's quite similar to them, except that like Metro will drop to HSPA, um, AT&T the same. So it'll drop down from 5GE to LTE and then a hit like HSPA. Um, so at least those have like a secondary backfall for them to kind of like kind of carry them through until we hit another area that, you know, specific towers able to, to ping at a radius and then get back on LTE with visible. that's not the case. When, when you hit an area that has no, no uh, Verizon LTE and it has like, you know, Verizon 3G, you being invisible won't have access to that 3G connection. So you literally just have the little, um, you know, a uh, little icon on the top with an X where it should show mobile data connectivity. There's an X there. Uh, Cause there's none zero zilch, nada. Um, so does that become dependable? Mm, I mean, for truck drivers right now, the way that visible is, I would advise truck drivers, no go on visible. 
like no go. I mean, you know, unless you're, you're, you're traveling, you know, locally within your state that you live in and you know that these interstates always have Verizon access to LTE, you're golden. But if you're going to go cross country, like if you live in Florida and you're going to take a load up to Washington state, visible is not going to be the one I would say would be a, a companion to be as your main driver. Maybe as a backup phone, you know, like a little phone you throw in, like in the glove box or whatever. Um, but no, yeah, you're, you're, I wouldn't call it dependable. Um, that is a major, 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 major issue with, uh, with visible. And that is one of the bads that people need to know about. Um, also in the bad for visible is the fact that there is no physical stores. So everything is done online and there is not an 800 number for you to really call to just directly talk to somebody. Everything is done within the visible app. This is one of the things that made visible stand out from a lot of prepaid carriers. A lot of prepaid carriers, you go into you go into a store, you sign up for service on it, or you go on their website, you order a SIM card, you order service on it and it gets sent to you with a uh, visible. It's kind of the same way, except it is mobile phone service through an app, but it's not app dependent. So your dialer app, your messaging app is not built in into the visible apps, such as freedom pop or unreal mobile or any of those MVNOs where they used to have everything within the app. Even um, text now used to be that way where everything was in, was in the text now app. Uh, Visible has an app and you have to have it downloaded on your phone to activate service and everything like that. And to check your account and to, you know, make any changes to your account, subtle changes. You can't change your plan because there's only one plan, but um, at the same time, that is also where you communicate with visible customer service. And uh, it's always a hit and miss when, when going through chat with visible. Um, it's always a hit or miss when it comes to that, because you can get somebody that actually likes their job and cares about the customer's needs. And then you get people that's like, I just want my paycheck. So shut the hell up. Tell me your problem. And I'll just feed you some off the wall fucking answer and send you on your way. You know, because there was a time where visible had a very bad reputation about a year and a half ago. I remember a lot of the visible videos I was doing, I was getting feedback from customers that was like watching my YouTube videos and commenting, talking about how they hated visible. They tried to get a phone activated on visible. They got the SIM card. They popped it in. They downloaded the app on Wi-Fi. They signed in. They wanted to get it, you know, they wanted to get everything going. And then all of a sudden, like their phone wouldn't work and they would keep consistently contacting visible care and, they were given, you know, basic, basic statements from the company. Um, and nobody could figure out why the phone wouldn't activate or why the service wouldn't go live on that phone. And people were just like, yo, it's been like seven days and I still haven't had service. What the hell? I'm paying $40 and I'm not even getting anything. Give me credit. Give me this. Give me that. Eventually, just people just took to the Internet just to really, really bitch and complain about Visible. And with good reason. Because if I signed up for service with Visible and I wasn't getting any service at all whatsoever because there was some 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 shit wrong with the activation, um, literally, I would be complaining too. Unless I had access to Vision, which is Vision. Vision is, um, is uh, Visible's uh, backbone to their actual system that they use. Um, yeah, I used to work for Verizon at a call center, so I, I, I know what they use. And Vision, uh, you can actually go in and see what's going on with the line activation and even like forcefully push that activation to complete. Um, 
that's what Verizon uses. But anyways, yeah, I don't, you know, but people don't have access to vision. Uh, otherwise everyone would be governing their own Verizon account. Uh, John says a lot of people have had issues with porting their number to visible. Yeah. That was the next thing I was going to get into was, was porting. So you look, see about a year and a half ago, it was, it was just literally signing up and using an unlocked device that was said to be compatible with visible. Um, Next thing is also is uh, porting issues, which still happens today. There are people who are still reporting that when they follow the prompts, the steps to do the uh, the port, it, it tends to fail, and then they're stuck waiting. They're stuck waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and then um, when they finally get fed up with the wait time because there's not um, – there's not anything being done. They're getting the same answers from every care rep they're chatting with. Like, oh, yes, you know, we have escalated this to tier two technical support and they are working on it right now. People get tired. They don't want to wait. So then where did it go? But then some of them couldn't even, you know, just cancel the port and, and port out because the port had already gone through from their previous carrier side. And so it's like stuck in this limbo. You can't get the number back. And that pisses a lot of people off because there's people who have had the same mobile number for like six years. And the last thing they wanted to do was support to a company that they thought would have been more beneficial on them as far as financial situations go, only to lose their number to <laughs> this uh, issue when, when porting. So um, Gene says, no problem with me porting. Yes. Um, but there are people, Gene, that have ported and had problems, right? We, like, our experiences don't account for the experiences of everybody else. Um, but yeah, luckily you didn't have any problems either. And, and luckily, um, my lady didn't have any problems when she ported her number from, um, from, uh, Google Fi over to Visible. Now, one of the saddest things that I've experienced here, and like, it's, it's kind of different because, you know, like, um, like Jose has said on Twitter and whatnot that he's ported a visible number over to Metro and everything went fine. Uh, initially, when I tried to do it here, um, setting up my lady's uh, Metro line on my Metro account to get the uh, the Nord N10 5G for free, uh, when we was doing, we was doing that, they had a hard time. Actually, they, they never completed it. They, they had a hard time doing it because they weren't able. Like it says in their system that the number that she had from Visible was not recognized to be ported. So that was like, eh, that sucks, you know. But then they did something where they ran my credit and I still got the phone anyways, but it wasn't, you know, like we didn't port her number over from visible. So her number, her, her main number that she uses at her job and, you know, her bosses and other vendors that she does business with for her, her job, uh, they have that number. So it's still invisible. So she got an entirely new number on Metro, but I mean, you know, that's, that's part of the downside is that visible is not, <clears throat> not widely recognized by, by um, a lot of cities and states. So like Metro by T-Mobile knows about Visible, but a Metro by T-Mobile store in Podunk, Yakima, Washington is not going to know what Visible is, the, the clerks in the store and stuff like that. And so when they're doing things, they may not know that there's a specific way how to handle porting a number over from a company such as Visible versus porting a number over from Verizon prepaid. You know, it, it could be considerably different just because the way that Visible is. Shout out to Kevin Bacon there, who's now doing the uh, advertisement for Visible. Let me know if you guys have seen the ads on TV. Um, because I've, we've been seeing the ads on TV, uh, like you know, at certain places. Like when we went to a restaurant, we ate. They had TVs up playing a TV channel, and then Kevin Bacon's commercial for Visible pops up, and it's so funny. Um, just to see Kevin Bacon and Visible working together. You know, it's, it's, it's like the same thing, like with Mint Mobile and. Um, 
and Ryan Reynolds, you know, who is now uh, owner of Mint Mobile, which is pretty awesome. I've never seen an actor, one of my favorite actors actually step into the realm of mobile technology and mobile carrier service and, you know, own, <laughs> own an actual mobile carrier. Um, but that's actually pretty cool, though. But anyways, yeah, so those are some of the bads uh, when it comes to visible. Basically, you know, just just dealing, just trying to get help because you can even go on Twitter and, and tweet or DM at visible care. And it's the same as if you're going on the visible app and chatting with somebody. It's just that person specifically dedicated to running the Twitter account. And so um, they're going to be doing the same thing that uh, visible care uh, within the visible app is doing. It's, it's no different, no different at all whatsoever. Um, so, you know, with that being said, those are some of the things that you have to understand that, that these things are going to happen. Now, does it mean that visible is the only one that's ever had these types of issues? No. They're not. Sprint has had these issues. T-Mobile has had these types of issues. Uh, AT&T has had these types of issues. Their prepaids have had these types of issues. This is just something that happens um, with every carrier. It's just, you know, you happen to be that one in 10,000 customer that ended up getting a port issue problem. As it happens. Um, with the postpaid side, most of the port issue problems are just a bit of a, of like a devilish idea. You know, companies that don't want to have, you know, a customer go away and add on to their churn rate would do some dirty underhanded trick like giving like switching around numbers on the customer's account number. So that way, when they submit the account number and the pin number to try and port, the port will fail. And that does happen quite a bit. So anyways, what is the ugly that I referenced to visible because it's the good, the bad, the ugly. The ugly are things that I, when I reference the ugly, I reference the things that maybe visible thought was a good idea that actually became more of a bad idea than a good idea. And um, essentially before there really wasn't anything that I would like classify as the ugly when it comes to visible wireless or visible mobile up until recently when they opened up the, um, the party pay unlimited. And I said this yesterday, and this has become the ugly of visible. So while it was a good idea and, you know, visible did it because, you know, originally party pay would, would only allow four people to be within the group. And the uh, biggest problem with that is that if one person left, there was no notification that that person left and that your plan rate went back up from 25 to 30 bucks. Um, and so visible is like, Hey, you know, we're just going to open this sucker up wide and we're going to allow you know, an unlimited amount of people to be on your party pay. And I think visible needs to go back to the drawing board with that idea and put another limitation back on. That's my opinion. Some people are going to be like, what the hell Tito? What the hell are you saying? I am saying that there needs to be some sort of limitation because it's an unfair playing field out there. And so, you know, it's almost as if one person can literally have every visible customer as a party pay goer on their party pay. So then what's the sense of everybody else having access to create their own party pay? And the reason why I say that is, is because, you know, very influential people have the potential of having 35, you know, hundred um, customers from visible on their party pay group. And then, you know, somebody who just signed up for visible may share their party pay code and may not get nobody in there. So, you know, now if you guys are following what I'm saying now, so, and that, that becomes a hindrance to the, you know, to those people who come in because, you know, some, you know, some people will look, they'll watch a YouTube video, like say mine, 
and they'll see like, okay, you know, he's talking about visible and, you know, he likes visible. Oh, look, he's got a party pay thing for me to join. So when I sign up, I'll just join his party pay, you know? And, and that's what I'm talking about. The unfair advantage that, you know, like someone like me would have over just, you know, a regular customer who doesn't do YouTube, doesn't do Twitter like that. You know, they're just the, the, the average Joe, the average Jane, and they create, you know, they sign up for visible and then they see like, oh yeah, I can create a party pay. So they create a party pay and then they go on social media to share their party pay link. And what are the odds chances that they're going to get that thing filled up in one day? Hardly. Yes, I know. Lawrence has this thing where he gets everybody's party pay that he knows. And he just like horror shares the hell out of that thing. Um, that that whole fill up your party pay with before the day's done. I know Lawrence has that gifted ability of doing that, but not everybody is Lawrence. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 it's an unfair battlefield at that point. Um, so I do feel like that some sort of limitations has to be back on. But the, the way that I'm going to say it as is like, if you have to have four people on your visible party pay to get the, um, the, uh, to get your bill down to $25 a month, then I think that a fair, a fair way to cap it is to have it at 20 people, 20 people limitation and party pay. Cause you'll have four people in there already that gives everybody in the party pay group a $25 bill. And if you're worried about someone dropping off, it's still not going to affect because if you lose one person, you have 19 people still. That means there's still four people to keep that 25 pricing. And, um, you know, there's uh, 15 other people that are still on your party pay. So, you know, 20 people is, I think, a good amount to keep it in the safety of people not being blindsided by somebody leaving the party pay, affecting everybody's pay rate, 20 people. Okay. Having it an unlimited amount, that's just not cool. Um, You're not allowing people to, you know, have a better footing. I know someone could be like, well, if they can't get nobody on their party pay, well, they could just join somebody's party pay. But, you know, people think differently. We're not all the same mindless robots, okay? We're not all programmed to think and feel the same way. And some people won't feel comfortable um, joining into a group. They would rather start their own group and allow people to join them. And while that does seem like, you know, a little like odd to be complaining and bitching about things like that, you know, I'm not here to, you know, to figure people's brains and try to get them to be understanding to one way. That's not what I'm here for. And I don't think anyone really should be doing that. I really think people shouldn't even give a fuck about what other people think and worry about what they do. So that's just me. Side note. Um, hashtag ADHD, because I always tend to do that. But anyways, um, yeah, so I, I do feel like there should be some sort of limitations on Visible's party pay. That is the ugly about it. That That's what really kind of tarnishes them. Because if some people join Visible and they don't join somebody's party pay and they've created their own party pay group and nobody signs up with, uh, like, adds themselves to it because they're busy watching, you know, various YouTubers to talk about Visible and have a party pay group and they join those people's party pay group or, you know, Kevin Bacon's like, I got party pay. And then some people are like, oh, wow, you know, I feel like I'm going to be much closer to Kevin Bacon if I join his party pay. Because, yes, there are people that are like that far freaking out there to think that just because they joined Kevin Bacon's party pay, that all of a sudden they're part of an elite group of people. Just because, you know, he's a Hollywood actor, 
that they think they just, they just got like that. And no, it, it'd be far from it. it. I mean, just imagine if somebody like, well, like what, what's an artist from today that's that's pretty much known out there? Um, oh, I'll use this person even though she's annoying. Let's say Cardi B got visible and then she tweeted, hi, I have visible and this is my party page. You know how many people would just literally jump on her party page just to say, I'm on Cardi B's party page. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So you have influencers, <clears throat> you have actors and musicians, and people will definitely try to join them than just join a random person who just joined Visible. So that's where it becomes ugly. It, it, it kind of hurts the business because the business had great intentions. The business was like, yes, everyone's going to have a $25 bill because they're going to group together, you know? Um, and then when they see this, they're going to be like, wait a minute, this is not what we intended. And that's why it's called the ugly because it was never intended to be that way. Um, but that is the ugly of visible right now. Another thing that's ugly of visible is the fact that there is no physical stores. There is no physical person to talk to. There, there, I mean, there, there, there is through the app and chatting, but like you can't pick up a phone and call one eight eight. We love visible. <laughs> that's again, remember call now to get that special deal. One eight eight eight. We love visible. You can't do anything like that. Um, everything is done through chat. There's no physical store to go to. So if your phone broke, you, you can't go in and get, and get unless, let's say like your phone is in an area that's known to have connection on Verizon and your visible line has connected in that area. But then all of a sudden one day you wake up and then all of a sudden there's no service on your phone. And um, it's been like that for like, for like two days. Cause two days is a long time for people today to be away from their phone with an active phone. Um, so you, t- you know, there's no store you could just walk into and have somebody like inspect your phone to see if it's defective or anything like that. Cause you know, if you got it from visible, then yeah, you know, you would be able to, uh, to, to have them take care of it. Like visible has actually been pretty good about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's no actual physical, physical place for you to go to, to, to get help. Everything is done online. And that means that if you have to get a replacement or you have to have your phone sent in to be expected, like inspected, you're going to have to send it, which means you're going to be without a phone a lot longer than if you had to go into a store and the guy was like, okay, uh, yeah, 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 we're going to check this phone now. This is probably going to take us about like, uh, you know, we, we've got so many phones to look at about like two and a half hours come back and, uh, and we'll have some information for you and see where we go from there. Okay, I'll be back in two and a half hours. Two and a half hours of without Facebook versus two uh, two weeks without Facebook. I mean, that yeah, that's, that, that, that's an ugly. That's a bad situation there. So, I mean, that's where, you know, something that they felt was a good idea also kind of turned back on them. The fact is they, 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 uh, they sell service monthly and they get a high profit back because they're not spending rent and electricity to have physical stores. Uh, but that also had turned on them because then um, they don't have a physical store to serve for immediate help, which some people need. You know, you can't look at issues that would that would happen and think all of them can just be like shelved a little bit. There are some that people are going to deem to be immediate. Like if somebody says, hey, I trusted you. I saw your ads. I love the fact that it was 40 bucks a month and I can bring my phone down to 25. So I ported my business number over to you guys. And now I am losing business because my phone can't connect to the network and you guys don't have a physical store to help me immediately. Yeah. 
because that that will happen. So that's another thing. If this number that you have is for a business that you absolutely rely on, then visible is not where I would say to bring your number to. That didn't sound right. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, number two. Well, yeah, someone's going to laugh at that when they figure it out. Um, yeah, you, you'd be better off going postpaid when it comes to business stuff. There was one more. <coughs> there was one more that I was thinking about right now. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's, that's visible. Let's, let's just kind of like bring that down when it comes to visible. So those, those are the uglies with visible. Those literally are the uglies. That, that's what people are going to deal with. That's something that visible thought was going to be a good idea and didn't really become a good idea. Um, no, so th- th- those are those are some of the things you really gotta, like really got to consider. So hopefully, I explained that well when it comes to visible. Um, to finally close out the visible topic, let me just say this: um, I know lately the homies have been all all on the total wireless, and total wireless is actually pretty solid. I don't have service with it; I haven't used it, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. One of the main main things I hear that's good about it is the fact that even though that it's a it's an MVNO prepaid, it has the priority level of postpaid Verizon accounts. And so that's always a good thing to be able to have prepaid and be able to um, have that same priority level of network access as the postpaid customers do. So that's always a good thing. Um, Will I close out visible for total wireless? Uh, To be honest, I really don't have major issues with visible enough for me to say it's going to be tossed away. I mean, I have an AT and an AT&T line from Carlos. Okay. That just serves me very well in the city of Phoenix. And then I have Metro by T-Mobile. That's also giving me service in, in, in Phoenix. Pretty good. Um, I would be beyond, you know, with, with AT&T compared to Metro um, so visible, if visible doesn't work in certain places, you know, it's not going to kill me because I, you know, stupidly carry three phones on me at a time and it's becoming a nuisance. It really is. <laughs> so, which is the last thing though, you can actually activate uh, visible via eSIM, but there's been this weird thing with eSIM and I've noticed this and other people have said the same thing too. It's like when you have a phone and you put a physical SIM in it and you run it on the carrier that you're using, you seem to get better connection and better speeds than when you ditch physical SIM for eSIM and have your SIM information downloaded to the eSIM that's built into the phone. It just then like, this seems weird. Uh, CV tech in the building. What's going up? What's what's going on, RJ? He says, I've been with total wireless for over two years and the service is excellent. Yeah. And, and, and for someone who uses total wireless, obviously um, if you didn't know, now, you know, because a lot of, uh, a lot of the people that I connect with that I network with here on YouTube have all confirmed it. Total wireless accounts, the network priority access they have is the same as Verizon postpaid. So you're not on a, you're, you're not on the same um, network access priority, such as Verizon prepaid or any MVNO that is licensed to use Verizon's network. You are pretty much equivalent to a Verizon postpaid customer. So you pretty much got Verizon postpaid without having to pay like a, 
like a deposit per line or or go the the whole fancy schmancy Verizon accounts, you know, do more, play more, whatever they have. You don't have to go that route, right? You're on prepaid. So set them out every month. Um, of course, the only difference between postpaid uh, Verizon and um, Total Wireless is the fact that uh, I believe Total Wireless does have a, a network deprioritization cap point. Um, Verizon postpaid, I don't think they do. Uh, Blaze, what's up, man? Welcome. Good morning and welcome here. Uh, hey, Blind G Tech. Uh, can you finance phones with Visible? Yes, you can. You can finance phones with Visible. I'll show you guys right now uh, while we're on the subject. Let me bring back up Nerd Vision here, and let's go. Um, so I think uh, Visible uses uh, oh, what's the name of that company that uh, does finances? Oh, well, finances the phones for you. Um, where oh, where are you? Yeah, because as you can see, some of the pricing here, it tells you like the price of the phone. So full price is $792 for a Galaxy S21, or you can get it as low as $33 a month. So let me um, click this here to kind of open that up. And um, yeah, Affirm. So they use the company Affirm to to allow you to finance phones. So you can make uh, easy monthly payments over 12, 18, or 24 months, depending on, on what you want to do, like how long you want to be able to finance the phone. So you, you can finance on Visible uh, with any of the phone's uh, options that as long as it says, you know, the price the full price of the phone or a specific price monthly, then a, uh, you can finance that phone. So like with the S21, if you wanted to do a 12-month finance agreement, then you... Um, you would be you would be paying sixty six dollars a month on top of your visible plan. So sixty six plus twenty five. If you're in a party group, if you, if you're just like on your own solo, then it'd be sixty six plus forty, so one hundred and six dollars a month. Eighteen months you'd be paying forty four. Twenty four months you would be paying thirty three. Um, do they have the Verizon version of the Pixel four A five G? Um. I am not entirely sure if they do. That's a very good question because I've never really looked into that. I always assumed that they would since they are Verizon owned. I felt like that. Off. Oh. Uh, I really felt like that um, because they're Verizon owned that, you know, they would get the Pixel 4a 5G. That is the millimeter wave uh, support. Um I can click on here to learn more about it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to tell me anything to that nature. It just, yeah, it just tells me what it would be if you were to finance it. So 12 months financing, that's $40. So you'll have like an $80 bill if you're on the $40 plan, or you would have a $65 bill if you're on a party pay. Um, This is where it becomes beneficial to actually like whore the crap out of your uh, referral code. Because if you can get your bill down to $5 for the next 12 months, then think about it. If you went on a 12-month plan to get a Pixel 4a 5G, you'd be paying $45 a month on your bill because it'd be $5 for the service, $40 for the financing of 12 months for the Pixel 4a 5G. But um, I would assume that it that this is the Verizon variant that has millimeter wave access. Um, you know, d- d- just for that very reason uh, that... There are people that are saying that they can uh, access millimeter wave. I don't know how true that is, that they're able to access uh, millimeter wave with um, Pixel 4a 5G on visible. 
Um, I got to look more into that. But for right now, I'm going to say that I believe it at 90% that that is a Verizon model. So it has millimeter wave access versus the other Pixel 4a 5G, which is the $100 cheaper one. And that one only has sub six access. So, um, okay, let's kind of shift tracks here. <laughs> so let me kind of just bring down nerd vision and, um, yeah, we'll talk about YouTube shorts. That just sounds so weird. You, can you imagine somebody literally taking that to a different, to a different angle and being like, oh yeah, um, you're, you're, you're doing YouTube shorts. Like they're probably thinking that you're making custom, uh, um, apparel that says YouTube on it, like, and that they're shorts, like shorts you, you wear, your bottoms and stuff like that. I feel like that that's what they're literally going to do, um, because you know it just it just sounds so weird. They could have done something else. They could have named it something else uh, than YouTube Shorts. Now, what are YouTube Shorts? Basically, they're short clips. They are short clips that is um, under sixty seconds. And, you know, it's just, it's just taking YouTube, um, it's becoming a YouTube sensation, but there are some flaws in this that I feel like that this is where those people who are getting absolutely excited for YouTube shorts, this is where it's going to fall flat on their face, literally. And I was thinking about this the other day and I didn't talk about it, uh, the other day when I was talking about YouTube shorts and that's the reason why I'm bringing it back up for this, this, uh, discussion, um, is that YouTube shorts. It's supposed to compete against TikTok. It's supposed to compete against Instagram Reels. It's supposed to compete against Byte, even though hardly anyone knows what Byte is. Byte is the competitor to TikTok originally and is created by the creators of Vine. So um, that is their legacy. Byte is Vine 2.0. But anyways, so shorts from YouTube is supposed to be that. It's supposed to compete on that level. But this is a question that I'm going to ask people who are just so gun-ho about YouTube shorts and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, famous on there because YouTube is like the spot. Cause it is YouTube has a monopoly on the content creating game. It does. There's not another platform that can give you just about what YouTube gives you. And YouTube knows that this is the reason why that they're not even being polite anymore about it, where they're screwing content creators over. Cause yes, Content creators always got dicked over when it came to YouTube, right? We were paid pennies on the dollar when it came to the advertisement revenue that we make on our videos because YouTube takes a chunk. But um, used to, YouTube used to screw us with Vaseline. Now, it's not even like that. Now, they're not even they're not even trying to make it comfortable to screw us over. They're just doing it. They're just going after it, and that's bad. Um, so anyways, YouTube Shorts, you know, be more like I'm going to be famous because I can do these things and then I can do vlogs and, you know, eventually, you know, get following and stuff like that. That's cool. That's great. And that's, you know, whatever, whatnot. But there's something about TikTok uh, and there's something about Instagram reels that I know YouTube is not going to do with this product that they are selling. And, and mind you, I know that YouTube knows this because there is no level of priority needed to have access to this feature. Like for content creators that are on YouTube, you guys know, if you guys were wanting to do like the little story sharing thing, like Snapchat on YouTube, right? You got to have over 10,000 subscribers and uh, that'll unlock for you. 
Um, if you wanted to be a YouTube partner, being able to open up an AdSense account so you can collect revenue that's from ads ran in your videos, um, you have to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. And um, so with that being said, those things had a priority level you had to be in order to get those features. Now, people thought, well, YouTube Shorts is going to be similar to that. It's not. You can have zero subscribers, zero hours of watch time, non-YouTube partner, and you can still create YouTube Shorts. First of all, what are? how do you make a YouTube Shorts? First of all, it has to be recorded in portrait mode, cannot be recorded in landscape. So you got to have that Instagram looking IGTV type video. Secondly, the video has to be 59 seconds and under. So it can't be over a minute or it's not considered a YouTube short. It's considered a regular YouTube video. Um, a lot of people to make YouTube aware that their video they uploaded is intended to be a YouTube short have put the hashtag shorts in the title of their videos to because YouTube has to recognize it as being a video that's considered shorts in order for them to put that uh I guess you can say user interface that you can see on iOS uh, on your video as a official YouTube short. So um, that's pretty much it. But here's the problem with YouTube shorts. This is where YouTube shorts falls flat on its ass. So people are going to come over and try to use this. They're going to try to launch themselves, right? Because if, if it doesn't work on one platform and you really have a, a passion and desire to do something, you're going to go through another platform and use that as a tool to launch you and hopefully get you out of that area and get you going right so if you don't work on tiktok you might go to bite if you don't like if you don't work on bite you're going to go to instagram and do instagram reels if that doesn't work then you'll go to youtube and use youtube shorts but where youtube falls flat on its face is the fact you can't use copyrighted material on youtube youtube is very anal about using copyrighted material you even have 10 seconds of copyrighted material and they will like bar your thing. They will, they will either block it in certain countries. They will um, of course demonetize it. So you can't even make your revenue on it when they're going to place ads in it anyways. Um, that's the problem because when you go to TikTok, you hear all these songs that people use in their TikTok videos, right? And you hear them on the radio. So obviously these are not these are not non-copyrighted music that you're adding on your 15, 30 or 60 second video on TikTok. These are music from today's most recognized artists that's played on the radio, you know, or somebody, you know, decided to make something <laughs> that people are, you know, kind of like getting into, right? Like for instance, like I watch TikTok, right? And they play that song. I think it's from Megan The Stallion. And um, what they do in the TikTok is like, you know, the the husband, uh, he'll, the, the song will be playing, he'll be recording, and he'll have the camera like kind of like positioned on his wife. And his wife just starts twerking. And then all of a sudden the song kind of fade cuts into, you know, a different song where, you know, the, uh, the, the, um, the chorus of the song goes, um, and there you go. You can't make a wife out of a hoe. And the, you know, but those are actual songs because when I listen to the radio, you know, I hear that song. Uh, both songs from Megan Thee Stallion and whoever sings that other one that they kind of splice blended together to do these uh, TikTok reaction things. 
I hear them on the radio. So it is copyrighted material. And YouTube is very big on copyrighted material. But let's say someone goes, oh, but YouTube wants to compete. So they may, they may just relax their standards on copyrighted material. Okay. If if YouTube did that, then there would be a massive amount of content creators that would be like, hold the fuck up, YouTube. You mean to tell me if I make my video clip 59 seconds or less, I can use a song that resonates with me that's going to help better explain what I'm creating in my 59-second content? That's my art, my work, that will help people understand, that will help people feel a certain way and resonate with me? I could do it in 59 seconds, but if I wanted to make a five-minute video, I can't do that. Like There would be this massive just influx of, of, of creators who are just sick and tired of YouTube's antics. Michael, what's up? Welcome. And hopefully um, class was good. Or you're about to start class, aren't you? Because it's like almost 1030. It's like two minutes until 1030. Um, but that, that would become a major issue because like here on YouTube, there are people who just want to create content just and, and, and creating the content is their art. They're not talking about mobile phones. They're not unboxing things. You know, they're not doing skits and comedy to try to launch a career into Hollywood. They're not you know, trying to sit here and and play their original music to get discovered so they can get a contract deal with, you know, um, with, with any record label. No, there are people who are just like, I want to shoot something. I want to shoot it in a four by three aspect ratio in black and white um, and, and, and do this with it. And then they're like, but I want to play this song from Coldplay that would really kind of bring out what I'm trying to emphasize in my art. And they can't do it because if they do it, YouTube will ding them. They, they would lose revenue. And if they use the revenue that they make from AdSense to re-put back into creating content on YouTube, um, that, that would flop totally because they, you know, content creators who have copyrighted material in their videos, like our videos don't get dropped. They used to before. If, if you're a content creator, you know what I'm talking about right now. They used to before, like five years ago, if you had like a song that was copyrighted on there and it was on your video and your video was uploaded to YouTube, your shit would get taken down. They would just block your video. They don't now. What they do now is, is that they'll tell you, oh yeah, your video has a copyright claim. This doesn't strike your channel, so your channel is safe. However, the video will be up for view and the revenue earned by ads will be given to the owner of said copyright material. So if you have like 10 seconds of a song for Red Hot Chili Peppers and, um, or like let's say like this live stream, let's say this live stream is like an hour and two minutes long already and say 10 seconds within this whole one hour freaking live stream had a song play from Red Hot Chili Peppers then any ad revenue that I make on this for my kids, I lose it. I lose it. It goes to to the owners of the song for Red Hot Chili Pepper song. It will go to them. So if let's say like this video just, you know, miraculously went viral, because trust me, none of my videos ever have gone viral. But let's say it does. Let's say something happens on this live stream and it just goes viral and I get like, you know, 10 million views. Well, then if, if I was if, if I got 10 million views on this video and the CPM was like $14.50, which means that they'll pay me $14.50 per thousand views, right? All that money that I could have made and been like, all right, this is a substantial amount of money. All you kiddos are getting college funds now uh, put away. I won't get it. It'll go to the owner of Red Hot Chili Peppers. That totally sucks. Um, 
So yeah, copyright is going to be the biggest problem with this thing called YouTube Shorts because those people who are into this hashtag ADHD videos, um, you know, they like how TikTok has presented it to the world. And like what, wasn't TikTok known as Musical.ly before? Someone let me know in the comments because I keep hearing that reference and I'm like, I remember Musical.ly where people would go on and they would lip sync to a song that's being played. Anyways, um, so that's the thing about TikTok. And, and, and Instagram kind of follows that, which is weird because if you were to upload a video on IGTV or even on your Instagram profile that has copyrighted material, they will block it. They will block it. No one will be able to see it unless it's okay for it to be played in the United States. Then it'll be blocked to every other country but the United States. So this means that if you're trying to be an Instagram influencer, all your stuff will literally just be only shown in the United States. Um Let's see, my camera on my phone was shooting blurry pictures. Whoa. Have you tried uh, doing a, like a nice little wipe down on your camera lens on your phone? Um, check that out. Also, make sure and look and see if like you'll have to put it under light to kind of see the camera sensor. But see if you turn on your camera, you put it under light and you're tapping to focus. See if you see the that the actual um, lens itself is shifting to focus. If you see it moving up and down. That was a weird hand gesture. I'm so sorry. I just thought about that right now. Like, ah, someone's going to probably like say some shit about that. Who knows? Uh, anyways, yeah. So TikTok, basically copyrighted material, not a problem on TikTok. Not a problem on TikTok at all. Um, and yes, on TikTok, you can, um, there's ways you can monetize. So you can make money on TikTok. And, and so like if you're into that whole um, ADHD video display, maybe TikTok is your source to... Uh, to you know, make money. Sad thing about TikTok is that if you want to be able to live stream on TikTok, you have to have over ten thousand followers, and you gotta like maintain that throughout the year. So let us say, like in the year twenty twenty one, your TikToks blow up and become viral, and you get ten thousand followers. But then uh, people kind of get bored of your shit, so they, they unfollow you. And so if you drop below ten thousand followers, and you're like at nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine, then you lose the ability to live stream. It's so stupid. I feel like when you earn something, it should be given to you still, so you have that same fighting chance to maintain and grow. That's just me. Um. Yeah. So like that—that that is the biggest problem that I see with YouTube Shorts. To be honest with everybody, that's the biggest problem that I see. Now you could be a creator that doesn't need copyrighted music in your stuff to get views. Sneed, <laughs> I know Sneed be doing them shorts. He has the Sneed shorts now, and he be doing them. I mean, no, he doesn't need, you know, the the oh no song playing and stuff. Like if he's going to speed test visible, not visible. Um, let's say he's speed testing T-Mobile home internet and it's gone down and it's like only doing like one megabit per second on the download and like zero. Point two on the up. I know he's not going to be into putting that oh no song that you hear on TikTok a lot. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, you know, if you got it like that, then you're good. You're golden. You, you know, see, um, some people will say that YouTube does this because they want to challenge the creator. Bullshit. Um, challenge the creator to do what? Because if I'm talking about mobile tech, what are you challenging me to do? Because some people think that the challenge in the mobile tech space of YouTube is to make your room glow like UFOs have entered your room as you're shooting a video live to um, to unbox a phone or talk about a phone or anything like that. Um, Michael says, yesterday I went to Walmart to buy more food. So I also went to electronics and bought a new phone that runs on Android 10 Go. Wow. How's that working out for you? Um, but... 
Yeah, there, there is no challenge. Me personally, I think that content creators that bite each other really should stop and really try, try to find their own way. I mean, uh, there, there are certain aspects of YouTube that you just can't help, right? Like, you know, somebody might be stupid enough to tell me I'm being a hypocrite right now because I'm using StreamYard and everybody else is using StreamYard. And that's a pretty stupid thing to come at me with. What I mean by biting other people is like, okay, I'm going to do pink glowing lights in the background. So then the next 10,000 content creators in the tech space decide to put pink glowing lights in their fucking background. That's just ridiculous. Like you're not going to stand out now because yes, while you think, okay, you know what? He has 11,000 subscribers. I have 500 subscribers. Maybe people might think I'm like him and subscribe. And it's a nice trick that works. But then again, then people fall away when you're not like the person or whatever. Um, so that that's you know that, that that's 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 one thing. Or like, um, I'm gonna put a nice potted fake plant on my desk and put the box I'm gonna unbox right next to it. It's gonna be on the left side. It's gonna bring some panache to my video and make it pop just a little bit. And then next thing you know, what you got ten thousand other creators putting fucking plants on their desk. Like originality, I can see is quintessential in being a content creator and kind of stepping away from the normality of things. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean by about biting. Okay. So like if Sneed talks about 5G technology and Carlos talks about 5G technology, I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk about 5G technology. No, because the the thing is, no matter how much you may think that you, Sneed and Carlos are biting each other talking about 5g you're actually not because Sneed's perspective is very different from carlos's perspective which will be very different from your perspective so then if people watch all three of you guys they are getting three different perspectives on one subject so that's not biting biting is doing the exact same thing as the other people and i mean like your desk decorations the way that you unbox the way that you camera set up the way that you shoot the those things that's what i'm talking about oh uh the phone is working out good for android 10 go nice thumbs up um yeah so that is uh that is youtube shorts in a nutshell uh how many of you guys are interested in seeing youtube shorts grow um is that something that you guys are interested in are you guys more interested in uh, in uh you know short videos um that that sort of type of thing that your forte let me know if you're watching the replay comment that would love to know um this is just a yeah this is a crazy thing um and to finally kind of top about you know kind of like top off this this podcast while i am reading comments right now so go ahead and comment your thoughts on any of the subjects we talked about but speed testing, a lot of people have noticed that people are uploading a lot of speed tests, right? A lot of tech reviewers have kind of shifted over to speed testing. Um, this is a dynamic that I will give to the SMT community. I will give this to the SMT community. I don't care what anyone else says. Bigger YouTubers can suck my elephant's goat. I don't care. This phenomenon became something that was, you know, really enrooted in mobile tech content creating on YouTube because of the SMT community. Cause that's what a lot of like, you know, what Carlos and Steve and everybody were doing on Periscope. They were doing speed tests and all that other stuff. You know what I mean? So then now you're starting to see other content creators that have established themselves in for the last couple of years, have established a good amount of following on there, starting to 
uh, do this. Okay. They're starting to do it because they know people are now interested in seeing speed tests. One of the people that's, that's speed testing for the state of Hawaii, which means that it's going to be, you know, all the islands you can travel to, except Ni'ihau, because Ni'ihau, you can't go there. Uh, <laughs> you're not allowed access there. But on Kauai, on Oahu, on Molokai, on uh, Maui, Lanai, uh, the big island. Yeah, he's going to do it. And that's Lawrence. So if you're not subscribed to Lawrence and, you know, subscribe to him, because if you want to know what, what type of connection you're going to have, if you do your, your oh so cliche, fantastic getaway to the sandy white beaches of Hawaii, uh, then he's going to show you what kind of speeds you're going to have on your smartphone, um, depending on what you're using, mostly iPhones, because he has a lot of iPhones. Um, but yeah, that's uh no, that's something I would tell you to subscribe to. But a lot of people started to to encompass that in. There are people who give um, said dues to the SMT community, and I really want the SMT community to know just how how they have affected and impacted the mobile tech community here on YouTube. They, you guys are well recognized, and you know what? Shouts out to you guys. So if you are part of the SMT community, just know that there are content creators who know that that you are, and it's a simple thing, a simple dead giveaway and i was watching it on stetson's live podcast and at the very beginning of the podcast um max goes in and his comment is yeah you know the the famous line you hear from carlos from sneed from everybody jose yeah and stetson was like i know when there's people of the smt community here because when they say yeah that's them and so he's like literally given recognition to the SMT community. He's given recognition to Sneed as he's done work with Sneed. Sneed and Stetson have worked uh, together on projects and podcasted together. Um, and that's great. That that right there is good collaboration. That is what um, that, that the business of this works. And it's, it's very good to see that, you know. But then there are, there are others who will bite what Sneed does and literally try to make it as if like they've been doing it all along. And to those creators, well, I'm not going to call them out because they, they, this is it's not a superly big deal. But just to those creators, just know this: you're not fooling anybody. If you pull some shit that mirrors Sneed's type of videos and live streams, if you pull some shit that mirrors Carlos's videos and live streams, if you pull some shit that like mirrors anybody who is active on the ST, the SMT community and is active here on YouTube, just know that we're not falling for it. We freaking know where you got that from. Now, it's not to say that nobody in the past has ever ran a speed test. Not saying that. Um, but it has become more popular now to run that. And uh, I think the people responsible is the SMT community. So a big shout out to you guys. Um, for making an influence on the community side here on YouTube and the tech space. Um, because that was a, a dynamic that really wasn't ever really focused on by a lot of people, just like the network wasn't really focused on until Sneed, who worked so long to try and collaborate with people to launch this, to get it going, finally did it on his own. Um, and well, I mean, JG Tech Blog, he will give recognition to JG Tech Blog for letting him do live streams on JG's channel when JG went MIA. So, um, but now people are 
acknowledging the network and how big it plays on phones. Because before, all, all of us content creators that were mobile technology were doing the same shit. I got a phone here. I'm going to take the plastic off of it. I'm going to cut the seals. I'm going to unbox it. Here's the phone's front. Here's the phone's back. Here's the bottom of the phone. Here's the side of the phone. Here's the power button. Here's volume rockers. Put phone down. Here's booklets. Here's charging cable. Here's power brick. Here's stickers. Okay, here's a clear case if it, if it came with one. All right, let's power the phone on. So this is the initial boot. This is what it looks like. It scrolls like this. It swipes like this. It opens apps like this. Here's the camera right here. Take a photo. Take a selfie. Do the, you know, all those things were all the same. Nobody was ever fucking with the network. No one was ever talking about um, this is the LTE bands it can connect to. And we had access to it because we can go on, 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 on um, what is it, uh, uh, GSM Arena or um, phone arena or whatever, and it, it pulls up like a lot of the information about it. And you can read, okay, it connects to LTE bands 2, 3, 4, 5, 12, um, that, you know, 21, 22, 41. It, you can see it there, but nobody took the time to really give a shit about it. It wasn't until, you know, Sneed was coming in with videos on JG's channel and then on his own channel and then live streaming and and talking about it and talking about 5g growth and talking about the sprint merger and how how that was going to impact the network and you know and, and going just diving into those realms you really really can see it nowadays that it has influenced the bigger youtubers it has influenced the ones who have been around for a while it has influenced them so big shout out to the smt community for that speed testing why it's there because the smt community made it made it a popular thing to do. Shouts out to you guys. Uh, on a final note, uh, first of all, I want to say this, you know, like I follow different, uh, different people on Twitter. Um, obviously those who have been a very big influence on me for the years that I've been on YouTube. So it's kind of sad to hear. I don't know if you guys follow Max Lee on Twitter. I've talked about this for the last couple of days. Uh, well, in a previous podcast, I talked about it and I'm talking about it again because apparently I guess Max is leaving the U.S. and he's moving to South Korea. He's got a business out there for his electronic skateboards, you know, but the things that he said on Twitter really kind of struck me um, on some of the things that, you know, why he prefers to live in South Korea and not in the United States and, you know, um, more power to him. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut him down, but I'm not going to hype him up either. Um, but one thing I will say is like, you know, a lot of his videos that are tech, you know, tech orientated videos, I am going to miss a lot of them because, you know, he provided a lot of good information to those people who may know some of the things that he's talking about, but not all. And he was kind of that bridge to kind of help people get that extra missing piece that they didn't have in their videos he was the one that actually helped that. So it was kind of it was really sad to, you know, it's sad to hear him say that he's leaving YouTube. And then at the same time, he's also, he's leaving back to South Korea. So if he moves back to South Korea, um, I would have to wait until like he gets interested in coming to CES if he actually wants to, to ever have a chance to meet the man face to face, shake his hand and just let him know that to me, he is one of the major pillars in the tech community here on YouTube. As a matter of fact, he knows that I think that way because in the video where I said that, he saw the video and he commented. Um, so he knows what I think about him and the content he was creating. You know, I'm not going to go and throw more of his personal business out there. If you guys want to know why he's really leaving and, and, and how he feels, follow him on Twitter and find his, his videos that he tweets and then listen to what he's saying. You'll know. 
I just think it's sad to see him go. I just think that it's like, man, oh man, you know, somebody that I looked up to just going away. Um, you know what I mean? I don't care for his political side on things because I don't judge him on that. And I feel like that he has every right to have a political opinion. You know, it would be hypocritical of me to um, try to shut down his political point of view just because, and I'll say this, and this is about the most that anyone's going to get out of it. His political point of view is the opposite of mine. So if he and I were to talk politics, it would probably go into a debate um, back and forth. And I don't know, but hopefully he's not the type of person that would like alienate me just because we disagree on, on one topic but we are, you know, interested in something in the same topic. You know what I mean? Like we both have this thing about Android. We both, uh, well, I learned a lot of uh, rooting and, um, and custom ROMs because of him and enjoyed it. And I know he enjoys it. So like that's common ground between he and I. Political side, we don't really agree on things because he's very vocal about his political point of views on Twitter. And I listen to them. I don't go in there to tell him he's wrong or anything like that because who am I to go in there and try to shut him down? He has every right to express himself. And and I've and I've been open politically on Twitter about things and he doesn't come to my stuff and say anything and he does follow me on Twitter and I follow him on Twitter. So I know he can see my tweets if he was really looking for them. And um yeah. So I mean um yeah, you know, damn it, I just want to give this dude a good send-off. Um, since he's since he's going away, hopefully he changes his mind. That'd be cool. But if he does, you know, actually leave uh, YouTube, like he takes all his video downs, like he threatened to do, that's understandable. Moving to South Korea, that is, uh, you know, like he said, his main reason is because his business out there. He wants to be close to his business. He wants to be close to his dad. Um, and I don't blame him for that. But you know, shit. And I always wanted to meet the guy, and I'm not ever gonna get a really really get a chance. Um, Acceptance of differences, Rum says. Yes. Michael says, uh, Tito, what's your opinion on using the SD card as uh, internal storage? I hear that it could damage or shorten the lifespan of the card. It could just because of, of, the, of the consistent writing to it. It's, it. Everything's being written to the card as if the card is flash is a flash drive that's that's like internally built into the motherboard of the phone. So it's different. It's like when you have an SD card and it's and it's a it's not um it's not been formatted to be part of the internal storage and it's, it's considered external storage, then certain things are written to it, whatever that you have selected to write to the card. So if it's photos, videos, and documents, then that's the only thing that's going to be written to the SD card. When you bond it with the internal storage, now you're writing everything from the app that you, that you literally moved to that, to that sector of the storage and all the app data, the metadata and all that stuff is written to the card so yes, it, it will it will degrade the lifespan of the SD card much faster than what it would um, being just used as a normal external storage option. Um, also, too, when using a, a SD card as part of the internal storage, it kind of does make the um, the operating system a bit wonky, just because you know I mean yeah you did expand the internal storage to a degree. Um, but it, but this depends on the type of SD card that you're using. Because like if you're using you know like an older SD card or whatever, and say like it's a class five SD card, which I don't know why you would be using a class five SD card. But let's just say if, you know for you know 
you're using one, it's going to be totally different than if you're using something that's like a class 10 or even something that's more current today with faster write speeds. Like, you know, there's certain SD cards today that have like a 40 megabit per second write speed. And you go to a class five that maybe had like, um, you know, 500 kilobit per second write speed. Massive difference there. Um, so yeah, you if you're going to use it as an internal storage, yes, you might be spending some dollars, but you want... It has to be within this within the realm of what the phone can read, so you got to go with the highest option on that. So if that's like a UHD class ten card, then you got to go with that. Um, but you're gonna want the the one that has the fastest write speed to it to be for it to be able to function properly with Android on there. Since some of the apps and services that's on that phone or you download to that phone is going to be pushed on onto that SD card as it's part of the internal storage. And so you want it to be able to like be able to write just about just as fast or as close to as fast as it would for the regular flash drive. Yeah. The read and write speeds will suffer from variations. Yes, exactly. Okay. Anyways, guys, um, so that is it for Friday's podcast episode. Thank you guys so much for coming inside today and hanging out with me. Um, again, let me know what you guys think of the new setup and everything like that. Is the Nerd Vision setup any good? At, for me, it makes it easier for me to use two Chromebooks. And like, like I said, I'm not kidding with anyone. I am actually using two Chromebooks here. So, well, number two, number one. And it allows me to do certain things like if I wanted to, let's say, get up and close and personal with my Pixel 5, I can literally just put it like right there and talk to you guys and show you guys things of it like just like this. This is uh, some of the things I intend to do later on uh, with future live streams and everything like that. If you're not subscribed to my um, my uh, second channel, um, don't miss it because uh, videos and stuff like that will definitely be put on there. So you guys definitely don't want to miss that at all whatsoever. Um, and uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I have knocked out a lot of different social platforms and multiple accounts. So very active on Twitter. Twitter's where it's going to be at. And I think tonight I will hold, I will host a Twitter space since I have that capability to do that where you know, I won't screen record it. It's not going to go up on YouTube or anywhere else. It's just going to be me, some of y'all, if y'all want to be there. And we're just going to have a, just, just talk like friends, just hanging out and just kicking it and just having a discussion. That, that is the whole idea of it. So I'll, if you guys want to be there, follow me on Twitter. Um, links in the description. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter. And that is it for right now, guys. You guys have been awesome today. Thank you guys so much. Be safe this weekend. Love you guys very much. Love yourselves. Be proud of who you are. Be positive. Stay positive. And uh, yeah, I'll see you back in the next one. The audio version will be up this evening of this podcast. Just letting everyone know. Okay. All right, guys. Take it easy. Peace. See you later.